the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, we're back in the studio now since uh, we uh, have finished up over at the uh, Capitol. May go back in a in a couple of weeks uh, to uh, be there when they do a little house cleaning. Haven't made up my mind about that. We'll we'll determine. I'll sit down and talk to Zach and see if it's worth our time to haul all the equipment over there that we haul over to do the the show. But if it looks like there might be some news to be made and some things to be talked about, we'll go over. But we got to find out first. But uh, good things happened yesterday on the last day. I hope you heard the governor. He came on to the show. He talked with us uh, about uh, he was happy with the way the session had gone. He was happy the way most things had gone. Uh, and uh, talked about the... Uh, Sanctuary City Bill, Senate Bill 411, that passed yesterday in the House, saying that he would sign it to, and make it into law. And then on top of that said that uh, the, the uh, uh, administration was repealing or, you know, at the federal level, the uh, Arkansas Works uh, program and that, uh, that would they would try to fast-track it you know, because if, if you lose again, then you turn around and you go ahead and take it to the Supreme, Supreme Court. If the other side loses, they're going to go to the Supreme Court. So the bottom line, this is probably going to ha- end up uh, in front of uh, the justices. So they want to get it there as fast as they possibly can. And uh, I got my fingers crossed that here in the United States of America, you know, we stand for freedom, not free stuff. So uh, hopefully uh, they'll move that way, saying that, you know, if you can work, you got to work. I, I understand that if you you can't work, that's one thing. Uh, but if if you're an able-bodied person, you should be, uh, should be working. And the way the work requirement is set up is so lenient uh, right now, I can't believe any federal ju- judge with a straight face uh, can say that it's unconstitutional. So, with with that say, just said, just know that uh, you know that's what they'll be talking about. A couple big stories coming out uh, here uh, today that I wanted to bring you up to date on. Federal grand jury today lodged a two count indictment against Gregory Craig the former White House counsel for President Obama. He's the first prominent Democrat to be, and I don't believe the last, but uh, he's the first prominent Democrat to be charged with a crime stemming out of special counsel Robert Mueller's probe into Russian collusion. The allegations were uncovered as part of the investigation into former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. Um, Mr. Craig is charged with making false statements, concealing material information about the legal work he did with Manafort for the Ukrainian government in 2012. 
If convicted, Mr. Craig could face up to five years in prison for each charge. He's going to be arraigned at a Washington, D.C. court at a later date. Charges brought by prosecutors with the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. and the uh, Justice Department's National uh, Security. The indictment was widely expected since late uh, Wednesday when his attorneys issued a statement saying their client would likely face federal charges for his Ukrainian lobbying work. Mr. Craig's attorneys called the possible indictment, quote, a misguided abuse of prosecutorial uh, power. Uh, so that's uh, the way that uh, everything was working out on that. Uh, a local breaking news story. Let me get it up here real quick. Got to go find it just sent to me and uh here it is right here uh on tuesday next tuesday uh governor uh, hutchinson will join sig sauer president and ceo ron cohen for a ribbon cutting ceremony at sig sauer state-of-the-art manufacturing facility in jacksonville Congressman French Hill, local government and economic development officials will also be on hand to commemorate this exciting expansion for the company. Uh, The event starts and the reception gets underway at 10 o'clock. 1030 is the ribbon cutting uh, ceremony that happened at Sig Sauer at 357 Sig Sauer Drive. I'm going to have to go to that Tuesday. If it's not raining, I'll get over there, see if I can take a recorder and record some uh, uh, little inf- you know, interviews that I can grab. Six Hour is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, suppressors, and training. Uh, for over 100 years, Six Hour has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, Six Hour is synonymous with industry-leading quality, and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military, the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Additionally, Six Hour is the premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy, which is a world-class, state-of-the-art, 140-acre training facility. Six Hour is headquartered in Newington, New Hampshire, and has more than 1,700 employees across eight locations and is the largest member of a worldwide business group that includes Six Hour, GmbH, and Company, KG, in Germany. For more information about the company or their product line, then you can find that out at SigSauer.com. So keep that uh, in mind. That's happening again. Uh, it is the ribbon-cutting ceremony for Six Hour in Jacksonville on Tuesday, next Tuesday. Uh, and Ron Cohen will be there, president and CEO of Six Hour. He'll join us as well uh, here uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, the event starts at 10 and, uh, and a reception. And then at 10.30, ribbon-cutting ceremony will be... Uh, there as uh, as well, so uh, good things that you're that we that we uh, see get done, and we're excited about it. 
that that's happening. Okay, 214. When we come back, I want to play the Democratic Party's new ad for why you should vote for them uh, in the next election. I'll have that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hi, I'm a spokesperson for the Democratic Party. Democrats are the party of love and tolerance. We promote inclusion and acceptance, peace and goodwill. Republicans don't care about any of these things. They just want to talk about record unemployment, the economy, and keeping communities safe. Fascists. Democrats have positive, practical priorities, like abolishing the Electoral College, eliminating due process, and banning hate speech. These are the values of the American people. Well, at least Americans that live in San Francisco and New York. Republicans often use fear-mongering rhetoric like constitution or liberty. Democrats condemn such language as divisive and instead focus on more unifying topics like repealing the Second Amendment or kneeling for the national anthem. Democrats are the party of equality, so much so that we insist upon unconditionally believing women and disbelieving men because, well, feminism. If you ask us to explain this logically, we will scream in your face and call you a misogynist. Republicans want to take away a woman's sacred right to choose to have her child decapitated inside the womb and torn apart limb by limb with forceps. Democrats celebrate the right to violently murder your child because we're compassionate. Democrats believe that women are powerful and independent. They are also helpless victims of the patriarchy who require government intervention to succeed. Any woman who disagrees with us on this is a self-hating, stupid bimbo. And you know, it's time someone was finally brave enough to say this. Republicans are racist. Democrats have the same positive message for minorities that we have for women. You're a victim and you're useful to us. If you disagree, we'll insult your intelligence, but it's for your own good. Republicans want to stop certain people from coming into this country. They cite the infiltration of gang violence or opioids or sex trafficking as reasons to stop illegal immigration. But Democrats accept these as the natural consequences of opening up the borders, which, of course, is the more loving thing to do. Democrats recognize that the key to a better tomorrow is to look forward, not backward. That's why we reject capitalism and all of its greed and instead opt for socialism, which has worked so well every time it's been tried. Democrats are the party of the common people, the poor and the marginalized, the weak and defenseless. While Republicans promise freedom, we promise free stuff. That's how we win over young people. Our goal is to make the government work for you so you don't have to work at all. Republicans are always pushing religion in our faces. We reject their bigotry. Religious people are idiots. Democrats would much rather you sacrifice yourself on the altar of progressivism. The truth is, as the party of empathy, we're just better than everyone else. That's why we spend so much time telling people who don't align with our agenda that they're not just wrong, but that they're bad people. We still haven't figured out that this condescension is what lost us the 2016 election. Nevertheless, we're confident that through censorship, emotional manipulation, and continued bullying that will eventually get our way. Why? Because we care about you. So much so that we're willing to wear you down until you fear getting silenced, doxxed, or fired because you don't agree with our agenda. That's love. I'm the spokesperson for the Democratic Party. There you go. That's their new ad. Going to be leading up to the uh, 2020 election. You know, I got to give them credit. 
It was truthful. It was a truthful one. You know? Gotta love it. 8230965, something that uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show, we're going to do with you uh, some more now uh, that we've gotten past the uh, what's going on at the Capitol. And we've got past the main election back in 2016 and, and all of that. We're going to start opening the phone lines up, get you back in here talking with me on the Dave Ellswick uh, Show. Boy, why, why wouldn't you vote for Democrats? I mean, all you millennials, they'll, they'll promise you anything, and it's all free, all free, until when it comes time to pay for it, and then you're going to pay for it out the nose, just the, the way it works with the Democratic Party. All right, saw something today, uh, Zach. Pull the microphone over, because I know that uh, you're one of those people that cutting the cable, you know, you, you buy, uh, I think, Amazon and you get Netflix, is that right? And Hulu. And Hulu. Okay, mm-hmm. so Hulu, you get that because they carry a lot more just regular TV shows, right? Well, I just pay for um, all three just because they all provide something different, you know. So that's the reason why I pay for all three. Because, you know, maybe there's something on Hulu that Netflix doesn't have, you know. And then Amazon also have their own series and movies and stuff like that. Yeah, so. and, you know, in all respect to, to Matt, I think that Netflix does a pretty good job with their product. I like a lot of the the shows. This week, they've released a lot of new product that is kind of horror-based, which really? I, I kind of like. Um, uh, I forget what the shows were. Let me look here. I got my my app here. I can hit it. Because I'm, I'm basically almost done with my rewatching of the Game of Thrones. Yeah, you've and been so, doing that. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Checking so now it all out. I want to get back to Netflix and um, see what they have. I know for sure I wanted to watch, um, what was that series? Because I've already seen the Umbrella Academy full through. Um, there was one new series I can't think of right now. I know you talk about Sabrina that was just released that's on Netflix. That's pretty good. I'm watching the season two now. Yeah. Makes me laugh. I find it very funny. Well, I'll get to it at some point. I will. I'm just waiting for, you know, Stranger Things season three. And, um, you know, can't wait for the Return of Black Mirror episode series like that. But I'll try to see what they have on Netflix as of this moment. And um, They've got a good one coming. um, Oh, here it is. When is it? April 12th. That would be what? Tuesday. Yes. No, it's tomorrow. April 12th is tomorrow. Yeah, it is tomorrow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, Buffalo Boys. Okay. It's an Indonesian movie. Okay. They learn the ways of the American cowboy before returning home to avenge the murder of their father. That sounds interesting Mm. to me. If you know anything about Buffalo soldiers, you know they were some of the toughest hombres back in the uh, the Old West. And it was, uh, you know, African Americans made up the Buffalo soldiers. Yeah. And uh, so these guys learn from the, the originals and take it back to Indonesia uh, to take on the bad guys. Other things that are coming on, I'm, I'm looking here. There were some good movies that were coming out. I'm trying to find them now. Any, now that I'm looking for them, I can't find them. That's right. the way it always works, isn't That's it? usually the case. And, and, uh, and you, like I said, most of the time you watch those movies more than I do. Most I'm just you know watching the series and, and anime, whatever they have. And then I'll go to maybe Amazon and check out what they have as far as movies go because they have the newer movies up to date. 
So you're more into, you know, what Netflix always provides, you know, what they're trying to do, basically. Okay, here's one. Black Summer. Okay. Okay, Black Summer is in the dark early days of a zombie apocalypse. Complete strangers have to band together to find the strength they need to survive and get back to loved ones. Sounds a whole lot like The Walking Dead. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. But I'm a, you know, I'm I'm a, a big uh, dope when it comes to uh, zombie movies and yeah. stuff. So I'll probably tune in. It's a new, it's a season. All right. Okay. So it's, it's a series. Black Summer. And uh, yeah, Black Summer. I'm trying to, let me look here. Don't you think there's a lot of series and movies that are made post-apocalyptic war and since things like that these days, as well as comic book films? Oh, yeah. It seems to be a trend, you know, it just... It's, it's a big trend. Some are good, you know, some are good. Some are, you know, they're just making the movie to see, you know, to give people the tease of, you know, just, you know, see what's out there, basically. Yeah, it's eight episodes. Eight episodes. Okay. And I'm looking at and it, it's... Uh, Episode one is 44 minutes, two is 35 minutes, three oh. is 40 minutes, four is 39 minutes, Okay. five is 43, six is 34, seven is 25, mm. and the final segment, 20 minutes Interesting. long. I find that interesting that they're going to have these sh- short ones. Wow. Well, you know, they're easier to watch. Well, yeah, easier to binge. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. You really do have to take your time out of the day to watch like at least 50 minutes of a show. Even mm-hmm. if it's good, you know, that's still taking an hour out of your day. And, and so making it shorter like that with 44 minutes being the longest, it's an easy process. You can easily do that. Okay, another one. Sounds awful familiar. Synopsis. Mm-hmm. This is new. Uh, with the world under attack by <laughs> deadly creatures who hunt by sound... Uh-huh. A teen and her family seek refuge outside the city mm-hmm. and encounter a mysterious cult. Now, I'm kind of interested in this because uh. it stars Stanley Tucci, who I like a lot. He's Stanley. really he's really a good actor. And the uh, other is uh, Kieran Shipka. And I forget what show she was just in here recently. Hold on, I'll look that up. Well, what's the name of that show again? The that Silence. The Silence. Yeah, it sounds a whole lot like uh, the movie that Emily Blunt was a just A Quiet in. Place. A Quiet Place, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Shipka, hold on. Let me find out that we're, we'll know her from. Well, I know why. Uh, she's the, She plays Sabrina. Yes, she does. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, she's in Sabrina, and so that's why that mm-hmm. name immediately identified with it. And uh, she's also been, for you who do not know, get off of the awards here, I want I want her uh I forget, I saw her in a TV series that was on NBC. I think it was um, The Designated Survivor. She was the daughter of the president, basically. Oh, okay. That's where I saw her because, you know, she was a little bit younger, maybe two years younger. And then that series got canned, and I believe it'll be coming back on Netflix. Well, she was in Mad Men for 89 episodes. Get out of here. She was on Mad Men? Yeah, she played Sally Draper. That's who she played on Mad Men. Wow, she was very young then. Goodness. Yeah, and then let's see who else we have. Uh, 
She was in, uh, I don't see anything else. It's, I've just re- kind of recognized her over the last few weeks. Now, I've been back. I mean, I've been here. I've been doing the show there in uh, uh, downtown Little Rock uh, at the uh, the, Marvel, the Marble Palace. It's been the uh, 92nd General Assembly going on, and we've been there and doing our thing and uh, hope that you enjoyed listening to us because we did a lot of coverage of uh, a lot of different bills and a lot of different conversations going on basically about uh, you know amongst the republicans that are there they got a super majority um huge majority in the house 75 or 6 members and then you have uh, a majority over in the senate as well but i thought uh, i thought our coverage was pretty good i'm i'm the worst critic that there is on stuff that i do and we kept you up to date on things that were going on that you needed to know about. And we're back on uh, Facebook today, just so you know. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the way we got the broadband that we need to be able to do Facebook now. So, hello, and glad you're listening. I've already had a couple people hit me and say, good to see you back in the studio. Couldn't watch you at the state capitol, yes, because we couldn't get, any kind of good broadband out of the uh, the Capitol. It was not good. We couldn't hook up to the House or the Senate. We couldn't hook up to uh, the Bureau over there. And that was all because Homeland Security said, uh-uh-uh. So next year, not next year, year after, we will be uh, making sure we drop in our own line so that we can hook up and make sure that we can broadcast directly from the Capitol as well and people be able to watch the show uh, we tried dudes. I can't tell you. It, it drove me here. Look, you get your mic on. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Zach will tell you how infuriating it was and how irritated I would get. He would try to calm me down because during <laughs> breaks, dude, I was not happy. Yeah. And it, it, it was nothing Zach was or wasn't doing or what, you know, Ross was or wasn't doing. It was all about, it's all made of marble over there, and they haven't spent as much money as they should spend for uh, internet. And when you think about it, there. they can you know the website you know for where you can view bills. So if you watch live stream, it would go down. It would go down, and, you know, or it would glitch or whatever. And you're just like, you probably shouldn't have these problems at the state capitol. I would not think so. And if I were the governor. Which I'm not, and there's a lot of people in Arkansas that's glad that I'm not governor because they know what it would be like if I were governor. Here's the key: I I would be calling the uh, the IT people mm-hmm. up and saying you need to get this fixed, or you're going to find a new contract. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that simple, and you won't be on the contract. Somebody else will be on the contract. Yeah, there's, you know, when you're doing the people's business, the people for you know, transparency's sake, should be able to watch what's going on. That's right. Now they get cameras in all of the committee meetings, House and Senate, all of that. Should be able to watch anything that is being talked about and discussed so that the uh, the people who make it possible with their money, mm-hmm. that's, that's you, okay, who's listening, and me and, and Zach, uh, should be able to watch it easily 
on uh, on Facebook or on uh, YouTube or you know whatever. I mean, have a, a website for the state, and you should be able to log into it, and it should be right there. No problem seeing what's going on. So anyway, that's uh, that's my thoughts on that. I you know there's good things to spend money on sometimes, and then there's spending money and then not getting your money's worth. And that's the worst feeling in the world. All right. So I, I brought up, we got off a little bit on a tangent here with, with, uh, uh Zach. He doesn't have, uh, you know, satellite TV. He, well, I do have dish network. Oh, you have dish. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then you're like me. Mm-hmm. I've got direct TV and, uh, and I got to go back and renegotiate with them. Cause I don't know what I, my, it's been going up. <laughs> Yeah, it's been going up every year Mm -hmm. and I need to go. And here's how I renegotiate. You know, they always have these specials for people who sign up. Yeah. You know, uh, only you get HBO, Showtime. Right. You know, blah, blah, blah. And it only cost you $45 a month for the first year on a two year contract. All Mm -hmm. right. Well, you know what? If you're going to do that, then someone like me. You know when I I signed up with uh, Directv, Zach. I had I've had Zach, I've had uh, uh, Directv the, since the second month they went on the air. Okay. So I would think I would be the kind of person they want to kind of keep happy. Right. They don't want to lose me. So here's what I do: if you call them and uh, you want to talk to somebody. Uh, You'll get stuck in that line, you know? Well, from now on, when you call and it asks, what do you want? Mm -hmm. You say, cancel. (laughs) I learned this years ago, okay? If you you say, before, you'd sit on the phone for a half hour waiting for, you know, all of our representatives are busy right now Mm -hmm. due to heavy call volume. (laughs) Uh, You say, cancel? I bet you talk to somebody within two minutes. Yes, you will. <laughs> All right. And then I, I bring up, I say, you know, I've been with DirecTV ever since you guys started. And I don't understand why you go out to get new clients and you give them these huge, great deals. And somebody that's been with you from the very beginning, making you making it possible for you to reach out to all these people that you got mm-hmm. can't get squat. You just keep coming back and raising my prices. So what can you do for me or I'm out of here? My dish is hitting me all the time about being part of their, mm-hmm. their network. You would think basically, you know, with your customers that you already have, you know, if you basically satisfy your customers, the ones you have, they will basically relay the good news about the company and everything to, you know, aspiring customers. I've been with DirecTV over 20 years. 20 years. Goodness. Over. Over. <laughs> and uh, it's like, uh, shoot, it's been 22, maybe 23 years. that I've been. I was with DirecTV when it was DirecTV and not AT&T, mm-hmm. which I hate, by the way, <laughs> because... Uh, they screwed up their website. I can't pay my bill on on internet anymore because I can't sign in to, to, the, to the account. Wow! And I've had I've had them on the line with me three different times. Started all over with, 
went through it with them, have been told it's fixed now, Mr. Ellswick. Okay, great. I, I sign off. Mm-hmm. I go on to get on to online, and I can't get online still. That's unacceptable. That's And that's on them. It's not on me. It's mm-hmm. on them. So I'm, I'm venting my spleen here today. <laughs> anyway, the, the reason I bring this up is, okay, since I, I got DirecTV, uh, I've got Netflix, I've got Amazon. I do not have Hulu. Yeah. There's a new streaming service coming. Mm-hmm. And it's Disney. I heard I was watching a story on Fox Business News today saying that uh, Disney should be ready sometime around September to start streaming. Now, that means you're going to get all of the Disney movies mm-hmm. that you can get. Now, I don't don't ask me if that means that the original Cinderella, you'll be able to watch it whenever <laughs> you want to watch it. I don't know how Disney's going to. You know, is it going to be tears? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be you pay a, a flat fee and you got all of their stuff? You know, they put stuff in the vault and then they they don't uh, they don't put the DVDs out. Right. But ever so often, normally around Christmas time, because mm-hmm. they know you'll buy them then to be able to show them to, uh, for your family and things of that nature or buy them for your grandkids. And the bottom line is that's very irritating as well. Mm-hmm. So how much is Disney going to charge a month? I mean, they were talking about this, and Disney says it's TBA to be announced, right? Well, we know Netflix has gone up now since I've been on Netflix. I started off, it was like 5 bucks a month. Yeah. Uh, now it's $13 a month. Well, it's $8 for one account. I believe it's ten for two accounts, two mm-hmm. profiles, and it's um thirteen or fifteen for up to five profiles on that one account. Okay, so mm-hmm. that's what I've got. Okay, I got, I've got uh, thirteen dollars. Amazon is twelve ninety nine. Yep. Okay, and you can pay that up in one, uh, you know, big hit, and With, you get free shipping and everything mm-hmm. because of that. That's probably the best way to buy it. Well, that's what I'm about to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, you re upping. Yep, re upping. Okay. I do that every year. Now, they've gone up. You know, it used to be $100. Yeah, what is it now? Then they went to $110, okay. and now it's $120. Oh, it went up to 10 bucks. But if you pay, like I said, that 12 or $13 per month, you're going to be paying about $30 more. Yeah, so you pay you might- more than what you would pay if you pay up yep. all at the beginning. Exactly. All right, so you got that. Uh, I'm trying to think of what it is that I subscribe to. The other thing I subscribe to is... Uh, through Amazon, mm-hmm. I do their uh, Kindle Unlimited, yeah, which is about twelve dollars a month. And mm-hmm. what that allows me to do, they put out thousands of books that you can read at no charge. Yeah, and now if you want to r- read Jack Reacher and those things, you can pay twelve bucks for the book. That's right. just the way it is. But there's other authors out there mm-hmm. that write the same kind of genre. That's really good. So the question is going to be, what is Disney going to charge? You're going to have the Disney product. Mm-hmm. You're going to have all the Marvel movies. You have all the uh, Fox movies. And there's one or two other things that they're going to have. You know, are people, you know, when are people going to get tapped out on buying streaming services? Because exactly. you've got Hulu already. Yep. You've got Netflix. Mm-hmm. You've got Amazon. Yes, now, I do. I, in my mind, I'm just going to say you're paying 
12 for Amazon. Mm-hmm. Are you paying 13 for, uh, are you just doing one? The on, one price okay, for Amazon. Okay, which is nine Ex- mm-hmm. for Netflix. So now you're talking uh, $21. Yep. And then how much is Hulu? Hulu is, um, I think it's $11, I believe. Okay, I 21 think. and 11 mm-hmm. is 32 mm-hmm. Now, if you if you go with Disney, and let's say Disney charges, I think you're going to charge somewhere around 15 to if. maybe $18. Uh, let's just say they go, let's just say they go with Netflix. They go 13 Uh-huh. All right. So now you're up to 40, what, uh, 44, yeah, about $45. $45 mm-hmm. a month. How long will it take for the streaming services to push you back into? Basically paying like another, you know, TV bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long does that go? I mean, everybody thought they're going to win by doing this. Right. And before it's over, you're paying the, the amount that you were paying when you were on you know, DirecTV or Dish. I mean, you were winning with just Netflix, but then when Hulu comes, you know, comes with it, and then you got Amazon decides to do the same thing. And so, to me, Disney Plus, you know, I'm pretty sure, like you said, 15 you know, 13 or $15 because of what they have. But the smart decision for me would be, if I was Disney, probably charge between 8 and $10. Start off slowly. See how many people actually buy your and see how many you can strip away from Netflix exactly. and Amazon because do does Netflix keep all those movies and series based they're going to keep their own series but those Disney movies and stuff like that will they be able to keep them with this new app yeah and so if they can't then people are really going to want to buy that Disney Plus app well we already know Netflix is losing all of their Marvel properties uh, okay so that's one big that's huge because they lost they've lost uh, you know. Uh, Daredevil, uh-huh. they lost uh, Jessica, Jones. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage mm-hmm. and uh, Fi- uh, Iron, Iron Fist. Fist. Yep. They're all gone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Disney, you know, if I were them, you know, like I said, you would just start out slow between 8 to $10 per month and maybe count up to like about three profiles in that one account. Like Netflix does it. Have three, like say, you know, three people can use the account at one time. Right. If it's just one person using the, uh, the account at one time, People are not going to be quickly to go over there and pay that much money, especially if it goes up to $15. Well, I just got this bad feeling they're going to be like Amazon. You know, you go on Amazon yeah. and you got to be very careful you do. that you don't get charged something because they've got ones that you got to pay for and yeah. ones that you get free because mm-hmm. you're paying for the streaming. And plus, you know, they're, the app doesn't do a best job of basically dividing where you know okay all no, this is they're free mixed all together they're all mixed together exactly and so you really not you just don't know you know what is free and what is not yeah that um, i've you and i've had this conversation before of how much it drives me crazy mm-hmm. oh look at they got this one and then i look and it doesn't have the little prime thing exactly the prime Which, sticker yeah mm-hmm. so it means that you're going to pay for it exactly. to be able to watch it. To well, pay. if I want to do that, I just I'll just use Directv right in their cinema. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think Disney's going to do that. I just gosh, if they do, me a bad feeling that if you want to watch some of the classic stuff, yeah. they're going to have another tier you've got to have to be able to watch the classic stuff. <sighs> and will you ever be able to watch Song of the South again? Gosh, I mean, there's. All kinds of questions. It's true. And they got to, you know, if they're going to do this, they better do it right. They really, or they're just, they're going to screw themselves. Start off low, start off slow. You know, just like I say, you got to see how many people are actually going to buy the app. You just got to start off slow. 
That's all I would say. You know, if they're going to call themselves Disney Plus, that means that you get the Disney Vault. Yeah. I mean, seriously, let's be honest here. Some of these movies have been out since the late 40s and early 50s. (laughs) Are you really in good conscience going to charge people, what, five, ten dollars to watch that movie? I I think you cut your own throat if you do that. Exactly. All right, a break. We got more coming. Dave Ellswick show back in the studio now. We'll be here uh you know for the time being at least. Uh J.R. Davis coming up. He's coming to the studio so he's glad that we're back in the studio. Even though he had to walk up only once flight of stairs, now he's got to drive several blocks to be here. He likes coming in here where things are a little bit more under control as far as things that are going on in the rotunda and stuff. We don't feel like that we're being blown out. Yesterday was terrible. I mean, you could just hear all the noise behind us yesterday. And there was only about 40 people there, but they were screaming. All right. They were screaming. That's what they were doing. They were La Raza and all those, you know, pro illegal immigration people. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Hello to everybody on Facebook. You, I, I know you can see us. We're glad that you're with us. 823-0965. 823-0965 is our number. Feel free to call in. You know, how many uh, of these things have you bought? I'd really be interested. Do you have some of these, you know, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, what are some of the other ones? There's several out there now. Yeah, plenty more for anime and things like that. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of them What's out there. What's that one that's it's kind of uh, a horror site now? There's a horror site. Oh, okay. That's out there, too. And I've been waiting for that as well. I, I'm a big horror fan, so I like to watch horror movies. But uh, And that's what's been happening on Netflix. It's not October, but they're they're pumping out the horror stuff. Right now it's hot. Horror is hot. Making a lot of money off of horror movies. You don't don't have to spend as much money on making a horror movie as you do on the Avengers. Let me just tell you that. All right, break. Have more for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you talking about streaming. There are now over 100 streaming services. Wow. Um, just some that I, I, I've heard of. I don't know how good they are. Mm-hmm. Fubo. Okay. Sling. Yes. All right. Hulu with live TV. We also have Pluto TV, mm-hmm. Zumo, uh, Infinity Instant TV, <laughs> and then you get if you look at sports. I mean, there's a ton of that out there now. Yep. Uh, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Outside TV, Facebook, Fetch. That's in Australia. Okay, <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> Netflix, Hulu. Yahoo View, Fandango Now, Tubi TV, okay. Crackle, I've heard of them. Me too. Popcorn Flicks, have not heard of them. Apple iTunes, Google Play, Shout Factory TV, <sighs> Voodoo, Vimo, Pantaflix, Volta, Big Star Movies, Crunchyroll, I've heard of them. Anime. Funimation Now. Anime. High Dive. Anime Lab. DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Curiosity Stream. Guide Doc. P- 
Pure Flicks. That must be all Christian programming. Probably Pure so. Flicks. Uh, Dove Channel, that I would say would also be Christian programming. Up Faith and Family, Eros Now, Brit Box, Acorn TV, Fandor, Tri- uh, Tribeca Shortlist, Movie, Canopy, Urban Movie Channel, Sundance Now, Screambox, yep. Shudder. That's the That's horror. it. Gotcha. All right. Shudder. That's out there now. And then other specifics, HBO, AMC Prime, Lifetime Movie Club, CBS All Access, Hallmark Movies, FX Plus, History Vault, Showtime Stars, Epics, Max Go, The CW and CWC, Seed, and uh, there's other uh, miscellaneous out there that just don't have enough people on them now for people to even worry about. So, so look, you can get what you want. That's right. But if you buy a bunch of them, mm-hmm. you're going to spend just as much as you did on DirecTV or on Dish. It's at least six of them. Yeah, that's it. All right, take a break. Got to come back. J.R. Davis will join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll talk a little politics here on the show, and uh, then we'll you know give you some news here right now, and then we'll get back to the talking. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. spokesperson for the Democratic Party. Democrats are the party of love and tolerance. We promote inclusion and acceptance, peace and goodwill. Republicans don't care about any of these things. They just want to talk about record unemployment, the economy and keeping communities safe. Fascists. Democrats have positive, practical priorities like abolishing the Electoral College, eliminating due process and banning hate speech. These are the values of the American people. Well, at least Americans that live in San Francisco and New York. Republicans often use fear-mongering rhetoric like constitution or liberty. Democrats condemn such language as divisive and instead focus on more unifying topics like repealing the Second Amendment or kneeling for the national anthem. Democrats are the party of equality, so much so that we insist upon unconditionally believing women and disbelieving men because, well, feminism. If you ask us to explain this logically, we will scream in your face and call you a misogynist. Republicans want to take away a woman's sacred right to choose to have her child decapitated inside the womb and torn apart limb by limb with forceps. Democrats celebrate the right to violently murder your child because we're compassionate. Democrats believe that women are powerful and independent. They are also helpless victims of the patriarchy who require government intervention to succeed. Any woman who disagrees with us on this is a self-hating, stupid bimbo. And you know, it's time someone was finally brave enough to say this. Republicans are racist. Democrats have the same positive message for minorities that we have for women. You're a victim, and you're useful to us. If you disagree, we'll insult your intelligence. 
but it's for your own good. Republicans want to stop certain people from coming into this country. They cite the infiltration of gang violence or opioids or sex trafficking as reasons to stop illegal immigration. But Democrats accept these as the natural consequences of opening up the borders, which, of course, is the more loving thing to do. Democrats recognize that the key to a better tomorrow is to look forward, not backward. That's why we reject capitalism and all of its greed and instead opt for socialism, which has worked so well every time it's been tried. Democrats are the party of the common people, the poor and the marginalized, the weak and defenseless. While Republicans promise freedom, we promise free stuff. That's how we win over young people. Our goal is to make the government work for you so you don't have to work at all. Republicans are always pushing religion in our faces. We reject their bigotry. Religious people are idiots. Democrats would much rather you sacrifice yourself on the altar of progressivism. The truth is, as the party of empathy, we're just better than everyone else. That's why we spend so much time telling people who don't align with our agenda that they're not just wrong, but that they're bad people. We still haven't figured out that this condescension is what lost us the 2016 election. Nevertheless, we're confident that through censorship, emotional manipulation, and continued bullying that will eventually get our way. Why? Because we care about you. So much so that we're willing to wear you down until you fear getting silenced, doxxed, or fired because you don't agree with our agenda. That's love. I'm the spokesperson for the Democratic Party. That's right. You'll get to choose whether you go with them or... You go with the Republican Party soon enough again. That was something. <laughs> I like it because, you know, it's at least they're being truthful. It's a funny way to say it, <laughs> for sure. JR, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm not going to miss the session, but I'm going to miss you being up on the third floor. It's a much easier commute. <laughs> but still, still it, 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 it is nice to be in a studio setting where I don't have to listen to a bunch of idiots down in the rotunda screaming. That is true. Those uh, those walls tend to be oh, quite echoey. Boy, it got loud yesterday. It just it, it, I thought it was interesting that yesterday that the people who were against HB 411 showed up at like 2 o'clock, and it already had been passed. Yeah, there's they were um, against they were against it. It's like showing up at the party. You know, it's going to go from six until ten, and you show up at eleven. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we had actually a couple of those uh, this session uh, towards the end. There, there's some people who, uh, uh, you know, probably weren't keeping up with the process. Yeah, as, not paying as well attention. As they should, not so. paying attention. But it's over. So we are uh, today was. Sort of. Yesterday was the actual end to the session. Today, the governor signed uh, the historic transformation of state government. The law went really, really great. We uh, actually sort of did a change of venue, did do a change of venue, and did it at the uh, steps of the House. Uh, So we had members from the cabinet, transformation advisory board, some of the transition team members all behind the governor. Uh, and he signed this massive bill into law, um, but it is something that we've been working on that the governor's been working on specifically and for two years now. Uh, so it was uh, really phenomenal to kind of see it all come to um, uh, to the final signature, if you will. But but he likes to state, and it's the truth that this was really and truly as difficult as this was. It was certainly the easy part because now uh, we move forward with. 
uh, the transition team, appointing the secretaries, uh, getting everything in place for that July 1 start date when that law becomes uh, – when that law goes into effect. Um, and so it's it's going to be uh, – it's, it's, a, it's a heavy lift, but it's um, really much needed in state government, and we're excited to see what the fruits will bear for the people of Arkansas. I didn't a- get a chance to ask the governor. In fact, just forgot to ask him how long – does he expect it to take once this now has been signed into law for to real for us to really see the the results of it? Well, you know, first and foremost, there are uh, so you know the governor, uh, the, the the transformation advisory board, and and the governor's office, and we contracted with uh, PwC to kind of take a real sort of in depth look at a lot of our agencies, and then brought them back to help us with this transformation effort. And there's different. Um, uh, processes. You can do it more slowly. There's sort of a moderate approach, and there's the aggressive approach, and then there's Asa Hutchinson's approach. And okay. it's, it's it's over. Um, it, it makes the aggressive approach uh, look like nothing. Uh, and he wants to get this um, in place. He wants to get our secretaries in place and start getting uh, you know the silos in state government broken down. And and that means you know the big one is the uh, Department of Transportation transformation and shared services which will be sort of the hub with it hr um, employee benefits uh, uh, you know so on and so forth so that'll really be sort of the hub that that kind of feeds into the other agencies but we want to make sure that we're cutting administrative costs duplicative services that we're we're able to more to streamline um, services to the people of arkansas more efficiently and so he he wants to uh, he wants to get this in place as quickly as possible. Now, to answer your question, you know, who knows? I, I think that once it goes into place, the people of Arkansas will start to see some changes. Uh, some of them may be a little smaller, um, but I think throughout this process, and this is a forever process, you know, you never stop transforming. You never stop looking for efficiencies. Each year, there's new technologies that can help you do things better. We're going to continue to look for those. Um, but I think folks will start seeing uh, some changes uh, fairly immediately, um, but as far as sort of the the level and the weight of those changes, you'll start to see those step up as time goes by. Okay, now if I remember, he said that he was having a presser next week. Is that right? Um, he will. Uh, I think he's going to. He plans to sit down with with some of the media just to recap the session as a whole. Is he um, going to introduce his secretaries at that point? Uh, not not next week, uh, and we don't. I'm not sure exactly how we'll do that. If it'll okay. be more of a rollout all at the same time and just sort of collect that as we go, or if it will be sort of you know as he names them, we roll it out. So, um, but he he's vowed to get them in place within 30 days, um, and and then they will have their teams. Uh, their their senior staffs, executive staffs, if you will, that they'll obviously be the secretary over all the different departments, right? And they'll have their executive teams, and then uh, and then we'll have you know locations and things like that for the secretaries. All that should be um, um, should be announced within the next thirty forty five days, uh, and we'll be ready to go by July one. So right. today he announced his transition team. So the law allowed for around twenty five individuals. Uh, the governor's named 15 so far. If we need to add additional folks, we will. Uh, this is at no added cost to the taxpayers. These are individuals that are already state employees. They'll be wearing dual hats. Uh, they won't be compensated anymore for this. So it truly is sort of uh, uh, you know, a passion project for these individuals. It's an honor to be part of it. Uh, and they'll be working feverishly over the next two to three months to really help get everything in place so we can hit the ground running July 1. I wasn't there, so... 
Mike is the lieutenant governor on this and he's so big on this? No, and the, well, let me say uh, the Transformation Advisory Board, uh, the chairman was Mike Carroll, the uh, vice chair was Lieutenant Governor Griffin, and both were just instrumental in this process. Obviously, the Chief Transformation Officer, Amy Fetcher, uh, has been leading these efforts from the very beginning. Uh, th- yeah, so Lieutenant Governor has done a, a tremendous amount to help us get to this point. This team are individual employees from different agencies, okay. um, and, and, it's, and it's ones that can that can balance their their roles, uh, that what they currently do, uh, versus what's expected of them in this new transition phase. So, um, so it won't be, and I should say, so it won't be members of the Transformation Advisory Board. Um, those are some of your your bigger names that have really been working on this for a long time. These are folks that uh, you know bring expertise from legal background, you know, the regulatory uh, background, um, IT, HR. Uh, public safety, things like that, that, that we can really come in and say, okay, what do we need to make sure we can get everyone in place and get all the agencies and secretaries ready to go on July 1? And that's really what they'll be doing. And uh, so it'll be uh, a lot of work. We also found a place for them to work out of for the next three months. And again, no cost to the state. So this is really, we're already doing it. We're, we're, we're getting lean. Uh, we're trying to work with our current resources. And, um, and that's really sort of the pattern you'll see throughout this transformation effort is is utilizing what we have uh, and, and making sure that we're not du- duplicating services or processes or adding additional costs. Uh, this is a really huge opportunity for the state um, that we haven't seen in, in nearly 50 years uh, to do something that benefits um, taxpayers all over the state. All right. Let me uh, ask about something that's happening next week. I just got this sent to me today. And I, I want to thank uh, from uh, over at Sig Sauer, uh, Shannon Jackson, for sending this to me. But the uh, governor and the uh, CEO of Sig Sauer will be uh, over at Sig Sauer in Jacksonville Tuesday at 10 a.m. for uh, a uh, ribbon-cutting ceremony for Sig Sauer. I'm going to head over there because it's not every day that I can carry a little recorder over there and tried to talk to the yeah. CEO of Sig Sauer and talk to the governor about this. How important was this move? I mean, did the governor go out and ask Sig Sauer to come to Arkansas, or did Sig Sauer call us and say, you know, you guys have been doing a lot of good things. We'd like to come to Arkansas. Well, I, I think really and truly it's sort of a combination of, of the two, but uh, absolutely the governor's the one that called them. Uh, if you remember back uh, on his first day in office in 2015, he said mm-hmm. I was going to call uh, – he was going to call uh, – Six CEOs around the country. Six right. hours, one of them. Oh, okay. Uh, and so the governor said, look, you know, uh, we know the Northeast uh, is growing uh, more and more anti-gun. Yeah, uh, Second and, Amendment. And, not- we, and we want them to know that we have a welcoming presence here in Arkansas uh, and and that we want we want their their uh, business and and that was the pitch the governor made obviously probably a little more nuanced and, and better than what i just said but yeah, sure. he basically told him hey our, our doors are open we want you down here uh, and as a result of that and, and sort of the relationship building uh they announced i think it was back in gosh these these years run together maybe 2016 that they were coming here uh to arkansas and maybe in 2015 but anyway they came to jacksonville i think they've got more than 100 folks employed over there and and so it's just a testament to the governor's uh energy uh and and his determination uh to bring jobs here to arkansas and we're gonna we're we're gonna continue to do that Uh, he heads off to uh to europe um in june uh, for a trade mission 
And, and obviously, he hasn't been able to do that over the last you know year, year and a half because right. of campaigns and things like that. But the trade missions, we've seen so much fruit from those trade missions where you really get to put Arkansas front and center and say, hey, here here we are. This is what we have to offer. Uh, and, and, and take a look at us. We, we want you here. And we've, we've really seen some incredible um, results uh, from those trips. And I'll say this, too. Uh, I mean, look at what we get to tell them when we go over there this time is that we have, you know, we're lowering our top marginal rate by a full percentage point. We've cut corporate in, uh, corporate income taxes. We've reformed corporate taxes. Uh, we've got a highway plan, which will help with infrastructure and things like that. There's a lot that we get to tell them uh, uh, about Arkansas and, and to further put Arkansas on the map from an economic development standpoint, and not to mention uh, the fact that we're, we're paying our teachers more. I mean, it all goes hand in hand, and so we've got a big message uh, to push um, – uh, throughout the next uh, few months to bring in new companies and new job opportunities for Arkansans. So it's a lot It's a lot of fun and, and a lot of excitement. One other thing they can uh, throw in there, the mix that the governor talked about yesterday when he stopped by to talk to us here on the show, was that uh, the state as a whole is, uh, you know, our uh, whole manufacturing and and business climate is doing very, very well. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, th- I think the governor mentioned this on the show yesterday. If he didn't, um, Arkansas was in the in the fourth quarter of last year was top five yeah. in income growth. Yeah, he talked about that. Yeah, that's and, and that's incredible. And I will say this: that's before the minimum wage. So anyone that tries to somehow, you know, say, "Well, look, what, that's because of the minimum wage." That was before the minimum wage. That was the fourth quarter of 2018 where we saw the fifth fastest growing. Uh, uh, um, income, uh, individual income in, in, in all 50 states. That's higher than Texas, higher than Tennessee. So that's that's a huge part of it. And then, of course, yesterday he also talked about the fact that Coca-Cola bottling uh, is uh, saying that, hey, we're, we're, we have a uh, plant in Memphis, and we've decided to move it to West Memphis. We're going from Tennessee to Arkansas because mm-hmm. of the corporate tax structure there. And, and not just that, but what we did two or three years ago with the um, with the soda tax and, and that they said, well, it makes more sense for us to bring these jobs to Arkansas than stay where we are in Memphis. And that is a huge testament. Then you can put West Memphis up against Memphis and win that battle. That's big. That's 60 jobs, $33 million investment, 200 square feet expansion. So, I mean, that's, that's big. And so that's what, you know, you'll see the governor really turn his focus to economic development because the session is the session is sort of like a tool bag, right? You just you, you want to fill that tool bag up with as many tools as possible and then take that out uh, to the rest of the country and the rest of the globe and say, look, here's what we have to offer here in Arkansas. And we have we have a tremendous message to take to the folks that are looking to expand or relocate, uh, and we want them to do it here in Arkansas. So that's what you'll see him, him really start to focus on um, now that the session is wrapped up. All right, we've got uh, 23 minutes after the hour. Let's take a break. We'll come back and talk with J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman, as we continue the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yesterday, the governor came by. We were really uh, happy that he took some time out, half hour. It was great for him to sit down and talk to us about the session. But he, he talked about a couple of things outside the section, uh, session, and one of them was he'd been notified uh, just before he came on the air that the uh, Obama admin, Obama, I had I was just talking about Obama, <laughs> the Trump administration uh, was ready to um, move forward on the appeal about Arkansas Works, and that's big, big good news. 
Yeah, that's great news. Uh, you know, obviously once uh, uh, the judge's ruling came down uh, and and uh, stopped the work requirements here in Arkansas, the governor immediately made the request to the Department of Justice and HHS for an expedited appeal. Uh, yesterday they sent that notice of appeal to the D.C. Circuit, um, and, and obviously we expect an expedited appeal uh, to to follow, and that should get us – uh, as far as you know, an expedited time frame should get us in front of the U.S. Supreme Court if necessary, uh, in a pretty and quick I think fashion. Be necessary, yeah. yeah the most liberal court outside of the Ninth Circuit Court right. in San Francisco is the Washington right. D.C. So I, I would expect that we'll be in front of uh, Supreme Court early next year. But you know that, and this is such a, um, and I think that was a big part of the session too. You saw the the vote. Uh, in the Senate for the uh, DMS uh, appropriation uh, come, you know, past just seconds before the judge's ruling came out. And, and then we had the, the failed vote in the House on that, uh, I believe it was that Friday. Uh, and then the next Monday they voted it through. But I think part of it was really sort of the governor's leadership to say, guys, I, you know, this wasn't a this wasn't a ploy. I've said this from the beginning. Yeah, this is going to be a fight. Anytime you try to change the status quo and do something that's never been done before, and you've got a lot of people that oppose it on the on the left, that there's there's absolutely going to be a fight. But we have to put ourselves in that position to continue that fight. And I think that's pretty incredible that Arkansas can be that state to say that absolutely we, we think that there needs to be some personal responsibility uh, within the expanded Medicaid program. Uh, if you are an able-bodied individual between the ages of 19 and 49, you can work. You have no dependents. You aren't medically frail. You should be working or contributing, whether it's volunteering or going to school or in worker training. We want to connect people to work so we can grow our workforce because that's how you get uh, new companies looking at Arkansas and say, okay, hey, we love the infrastructure. We love uh, the opportunity here, but what does your workforce look like? That's part of the equation. All right. When we come back from the news, let's talk further about that. J.R. Davis is our guest, governor spokesman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back in a moment. Okay, back with you. I, I, I want to go back and and revisit a little bit the vote that was taken. People, you know, there's some people that uh, on Facebook that were not happy with Republicans that kept Arkansas Works alive. A couple of things that they, I, I don't know if I didn't make it clear enough or, or uh, you know, they, they weren't listening the day that I talked about the Trump administration wanted to appeal that decision because the work requirement is something they want a lot of states, if not all states, to put into right. action to save money for uh, off of Obamacare. And if we had voted and said no, then it would it would take us right out. We're, I mean, we're on the tip of the spear on this issue. Yeah, and I look. I understand. We talked about this during the break. I mean, t- 2013, 2011, when when you know the state was having that debate in the legislature. That's I mean, when the fight took place. Yeah, folks. and I think there's a lot of folks that just need to kind of come forward five years and kind of where we are at this point, uh, or six years. Uh, it, it's a new fight. It, there are there are uh, you know sort of um, different takes at stake at this point. I mean, the fact of the matter is. You know, Obamacare is is law of the land until they yeah. do something different. 
Um, but the and work requirement on that, just so you know, in the court system. Yeah, and the work and the work requirement is is something uh, that conservatives have always championed, uh, and we've seen it in SNAP uh, and food stamps, uh, and and so the thing that's important for people to understand is that uh, the vote that took place. Uh, this session on the DMS appropriation and, and for Arkansas Works was necessary for us to continue that fight for work requirements. Arkansas, I mean, look, and you like only, it or not. Not only for us. I want everybody to understand right. there are 18 other states right. that want to institute that policy and cannot until what we're going through is worked out. Yeah, Arkansas is leading the nation on this. This is the first of its kind. We are the only state in the history to implement work requirements, to actually implement work requirements. I know Kentucky's tried a couple of times, they've been close, but Arkansas is the first state to implement it. We believe in it. Uh, we think it's the right way to do it. Um, anytime there's a new system, there are, of course, hiccups and things like that. We'll work through it, but, but it is working. We've already seen uh, more than, I think, 11 or 12,000 individuals from June 1st when it was implemented move from Arkansas Works into work through the new hire registry. That's a big deal. That shows that we are connecting people to work. We're doing what we said the program would do. But if you take yourself out of it and you immediately say, we're just going to end it all together, the other side wins. Uh, you, they don't. They, we, are, we are the one out in front. We are the one with the biggest message because we've actually done it. We've got to stay in the fight, and we're going to take this all the way to the Supreme Court. So that's what that vote was about, and it was important. So how many how many people did you say came off of uh, that went to, into work because yeah. of this? How many was M- it? More than 12,000 individuals who were on Arkansas Works when the work requirement went into effect June 1 have found work. Okay, so let's say that, let's just say that's the average. There's 18 states out there that are ready to start this. That's a lot of people then. That's a lot of people, yeah. And, and what we've seen, too, is, is throughout the, um, the last three months of 2018, the percentage of those who were in compliant, compliance with the work requirement continued to grow. Uh, I think we were almost at 90% in, in December. So it's all about getting the message out, educating folks, letting them know what's expected of them in this program. Uh, what they have to do, uh, the ones that are exempt, you know, work with them on that and all those sorts of things. But the fact of the matter is the education was working. People were um, uh, understanding uh, the program itself and it was still in its infancy. So, but the, but the bottom line is that vote was to help keep us in the fight. We are changing the status quo. We're making history and we're doing it for the good. And we're actually putting into, uh, um, uh, you know, putting into place this this idea of work requirements that's been floating around for decades among conservatives. Like we actually did it, uh, and so to take Arkansas out of the fight at this point would would just be a, a terrible thing to do and, and needless. It short circuits absolutely Trump administration's efforts for all these other states. I I just I gotta keep pointing it. We're we're working with the Trump administration on this. Yeah. Exactly. We're working. We've been working with the Trump administration from day one on this. Uh, uh, HHS Secretary um, uh, Azar has been instrumental. Seema Verma, Administrator CMS. It's so funny. I can say her name to people, and they don't have a clue who she She's is. She's incredible. She is the big player in this. She man. is, and she she believes in this. And they they use the term community engagement, which is that work, uh, you know, volunteering in your community, um, worker training, you know, going to school, that sort of thing. 
But she is, I mean, she's incredible. She's an, a, a big advocate for this. They believe this will work. We believe this will work. We have been in constant communication with them uh, and, and partnership with them from the very beginning of all of this. So uh, this this is the right move. I just I would uh, encourage folks that are still kind of living back in that 2013, 2014 time frame. The, the, the battle has switched. Are now the arguments are different. Are different. Yeah. And, and so we want to be part of that history. We want to show the rest of the nation that we can we can lead in tax reform. We can lead in education with computer science education, uh, that we can lead in transforming government that it operates more efficiently, leaner for the folks uh, in the state, and that we can lead from a healthcare standpoint. Uh, and that's what this is doing. And so we want to be a leader. We, the days of Arkansas kind of, you know, sitting on the back bench and just waiting for the other states to do something is over. And it has been for the last four years. We are working uh, to improve our state and to set an example for the rest of the states. And I think that is, to me, the greatest legacy you can leave behind as a state to say, you know, you've got other states uh, throughout the Midwest and even on the east and west coast, California, New York. I mean, even some of the Democratic states that look at Arkansas to say, what are they doing that's working there? That's that's being able to kind of share here, if you want to say political testimony, really to say this is what we've been doing in this state. Take a look at Arkansas and and, and see how we can actually make some of these things work. So um, that's where we are right now. And we should have a great amount of pride as conservatives and as a Republican Party to say for 138 years, we weren't in control. For the last four, we have been, and we've shown the nation what we're uh, capable of doing. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and with that said, let's stop and, and talk for a moment and talk reality here. Uh, and that is, I know a lot of people, myself included, wanted to see a lot of changes made. But we're four years in from 138 years run by the Democrat Party. Right. It's a kind of a Gordian knot that we were handed, and you gotta you gotta take it you gotta unknot it to know what kind of changes you gotta make to get on the right right path. Correct? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think when when you have I, I've and truly look, I think as a party in this state. Uh, we were waiting, we've been waiting and we've been fighting hard and waiting patiently for a long time in order to get into the positions that we are now, uh, in order to, uh, to run the state and show that we can, we can function uh, as a government body and start Republican policies. It's been four years. And I think some, some folks kind of switched from waiting and waiting and waiting and saying that we're going to do everything in the first week. Uh, that hasn't been the case because it's impossible. Plus, you want to make sure you're doing it right. Let's go. Let's use transformation, for example. Uh, Governor Rockefeller is the one that really started the talk about transformation and state government. Uh, Governor Bumpers is the one that initiated that in 1971. He moved 63 cabinet positions down to 10. Within the next seven years, that got up to 20. Yeah. And then it just continued. So when you do something quickly... And, and you do something just to say you've done it, it doesn't mean it's going to stick around. You've got to do things right, and you've got to do it in a way that you sort of change the culture with these policies. So when the next governor, uh, he or she, uh, gets into office and, and they decide to, you know, uh, change some policies. It needs to be ingrained into the culture of state government so those things don't change. Uh, and that's what's important about this. We talk about our tax policies. We've cut $100 million for the middle class. We've done it $50 million for lower income. And then we cut the top marginal rate, which is historic in the fact that we're moving from 6.9% 
to 5.9%. We also had a huge uh, corporate tax reform bill that was just signed this week. Uh, we lowered, uh, uh, we uh, extended the uh, uh, homestead property tax credit by $25 and in a state where we already have an incredibly low property tax. I mean, so that's that's just the tax reform. Then you get into the education and what we're doing with computer science, the RISE initiative. Uh, Dave, there was a, an announcement, uh, I believe it was last week, that said graduation rates, the four-year graduation rates in Arkansas from 2015 to 2018 have improved from, I think, 80% to 87%, and that's across all levels. We're talking about the African-American community, uh, Hispanic community, uh, all categories. Good. So that's, I mean, we're these are small things that I think people kind of lose track of. Those changes are being made, uh, and I think it's a great time to be in Arkansas to kind of see where we're leading and where we're going, and uh, and I think the future is incredibly bright. But you got to put things in perspective and know that it's it's only been four years, and uh, and we're not going anywhere anytime soon. So we've we've got some time to work on these and get it right, and that's what we plan to do. Well, and you know, I'm as bad as anybody else because I've been working since 2000 to get where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And now we're there and I want things to happen, but, uh, you know, it's not going to happen in Dave Ellswick warp speed like I'd like it to. I mean, it's just well, not going to, it's not going to come down that way. Right. And, and it's easy to talk about some of the big things like tax reform and, and education and, um, and transformation of state government. But look at what we did this session with juvenile justice reform. Uh, you know, look at what, um, you know, the Dream Big initiative with the Republican uh, Women's Caucus in both chambers. Look at the legislation that they passed ma- making broadband uh, e- more easily accessible to rural parts of, of Arkansas. Um, you know, the the NCI designation for UAMS to make Arkansas a leader in cancer research. Well, look uh, at what uh, they did as far as 911 goes across not, the state. 911, I mean, look, there's... There are so many. I mean, I encourage if you have time just to kind of go back through some of these these bills that are now acts that will be law in July one if there wasn't an emergency clause. I mean, we did a lot of incredible things uh, this year in the legislature, a lot of conservative ideas, but we did a lot of things that were that, you know, you kind of have this platform of conservatism, right? And some people lose track of some of the other things that are necessary. And I bring up the broadband bill or the cancer designation or juvenile justice reform or free speech on campus. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, things that that took place this session. We had a lot of really courageous and thoughtful leaders in the legislature. Um, And and uh, and I think, you know, it really kind of sets the tone for us moving forward. You asked the governor, I think, the other day about. You know, what's changed in four years? Do you feel like you have your legs underneath you and that sort of thing? And I think that's part of it. You well, know, I was we, talking about the party is in yeah. general. Is no, absolutely. After you've been 138 years in the minority and then you're in the majority, you, like I was just trying to say, you got this Gordian knot. You've got to un, untie that to take that 138 years and be able to turn the ship around. It doesn't yeah. happen overnight. No, and I mean, and put, again, put it in perspective. We're talking the elections of 2010 are what really sort of kind of turned the tide yep. uh, in in Arkansas politics. I mean, we went from, you know, uh, basically what Senator Bozeman was the only Republican in the congressional delegation, and we turned it from one and six to I think we ended up uh, four and six in 2010, and then you know the the elections of 2014 ushered in 
all seven constitutional officers and super majorities in both chambers. Yeah, so I'll never forget it. Yeah, I mean it was a, it was an incredible <laughs> night, but but again, again in context, this is this is all fairly new. Uh, and so, you know, the communication within the party and the different offices and, and the governor talked about it yesterday with his communication with the legislature and things like that, it, it takes a little bit of time. But I think what we've been able to accomplish in these four years uh, will really go down in history as sort of the um, uh, where sort of Arkansas turned the ship and, and, and where we can start to lead nationally in some key areas. And, and so that's exciting to be a part of. All right. We got one last segment to do, we'll do that when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. We got J.R. Davis here, governor spokesman. I want to go back. I, I know that I'm beating this into the ground, but I just think it's really important for everybody to understand. Arkansas is on the tip of the spear about work requirements. And if we had not stayed in the fight, it would have set it back several years. And the Trump administration did not want to see that happen because there's so many states that are working this at their particular states. I mean, Utah was a good example of one that was ready to go just when uh, the courts kind of pulled the plug on us. And then we come back now and we're going to appeal this decision. It, Eventually, I believe, and we're talking with the governor yesterday and talking with uh, Jr. today, it's going to end up at the Supreme Court. Here's why that's important. If the Supreme Court says that what Arkansas is doing is constitutional, then even if a Democrat becomes president, they can't take that away from us because and, and though I know my brother Paul Calvert hates precedent because the precedent will have been set. Right. It will be exceedingly difficult for them to go back on it. So it's really a big deal. I, I don't think that people understand as far as I'm concerned. It's a huge deal to carry it to the end and win. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you got to put it like, again, it's it's just sort of a whether you're going to fight or flight, right? So are you saying that because we lost, we're just going to we're going to stop or we're going to say, you know what, we knew there was going to be some um, battles to fight and we're we're in it. And uh, and I think, you know, we you got to get stuff to a point where. Uh, you can sit in front of the Supreme Court and say yay or nay, right? Like this is this is what we believe in. Let's test it out uh, and let's really get it up there and say, hey, this is what we've implemented in Arkansas. This is what we've seen while, you know, even in the first six months of its implementation. Uh, and, and we believe this is the right route to go. And and so if you pull it now, you have no sort of legs to stand on. Uh, you're you, you're kind of left out there. Uh, and, and, and honestly, you allow another state like Kentucky to take the lead. And, and I don't I don't particularly like that. You know, I like Arkansas leading a fight like this. And, uh, the, and, and the, conservatives should, too. We had the idea first. And that's good. Look, here's another reason why I'm into the fight all the way to the end. Good friend of mine, Nicholas Horton. He, along with I, during the 2013 session, during the Medicaid expansion battle, were probably two of the most vehement opponents of the policy. 
And I think we're seeing through a bunch of, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors that was going on during the time. I will be the first to admit I lost on that argument. I lost with that argument amongst elected officials. So did Nick. But both of us saw the work requirement as a, a step forward to controlling the costs of Medicaid expansion, and I want it to stay there. I don't think somebody should be able to sit on their rump who can work and sit on their rump. I just don't think that's that's the way it should happen. I don't want to be paying for their insurance when they can go out and work and pay for their own frickin' insurance. Yeah, Again, that I mean, the goal of this, and I know there are, there are those who oppose this and say that we're trying to limit people's health care and 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 you know, just being mean, right? That's that's sort of the only um, the only I have they a have. mean heart, right? And and the and the fact of the matter is, if you actually look at the at the data and the details of what we're trying to do. It's it's connecting people to work. The governor, you know, we we call him the jobs governor because that's all he ever thinks about is bringing economic development opportunity to the state of Arkansas. But everything we do uh, is sort of intertwined uh, with that jobs uh, job creation philosophy. So if if you can bring people into work, you can connect them to worker training, get them the skills that they need. Uh, in order to bring them into the workforce and then get them a job. Uh, that all goes hand in hand because we have a low unemployment rate. We have for a long time, uh, record lows uh, in and Arkansas. we got a booming economy. And we got a booming economy. We're fifth in the nation right yeah, now. Yeah, the problem you have, though, when you have low unemployment is that, you, you know, you've got a, a small workforce to pull from. And we have got uh, to strengthen that workforce here in Arkansas so we can continue to be uh, something that businesses look at and say, we want to go to Arkansas. It's all... It all, you know, is meshed together. Well, and you get businesses say they want to come and locate to Arkansas. There's going to be people that are living in other states that are going to say, look at what's going on in Arkansas. And if we can start continuing to cut down taxes and things of that nature, raising our our uh, education and things that people will move here. Yeah. And you know, it's actually funny. Uh, I hear this a lot and I've never quite understood it. But when we talk about things like, you know, the highest uh, income, uh, individual income growth, the fifth highest in the nation over the last fourth quarter, and people immediately go, immediately say, "Well, that's Northwest Arkansas, and it's Walmart, and it's ties." You know, and I'm thinking, okay, well, why why is that a bad thing? Because in 1999, before the big boom happened in Northwest Arkansas, that wasn't the case, uh, and it's continued to grow. Look what's happening in Northeast Arkansas, you know, and we're seeing a lot of movement here in Central Arkansas. We had those 200 and 250 jobs in Caterpillar that were announced. We had the, you know, again just yesterday with the Coca-Cola jobs announcement in West Memphis. The state is is growing. That's a good thing. You know, what what happened in Northwest Arkansas, what is happening now and what started 20 years ago, uh, that that's a perfect game plan for the rest of the state. Fort Smith downtown is starting to boom. Um, th- there's a lot of really great opportunity in this state. Uh, and so when, when one part is doing well, uh, I promise you the rest of the state benefits. And so we want that all over the state and we're starting to see that. And that's what's exciting. I mean, look at what happened, what's happening down in El Dorado. 
That's incredible. Have you been down there? Yeah. To see yeah, the El Dorado Arts District? Yes. Uh, unbelievable. A big, big uh, concert every year now. Yeah, it's unbelievable what they're doing there. You know, Hot Springs and what they're what they're doing to revitalize downtown. Uh, Main Street here in Little Rock, uh, North Little Rock with Argenta. I mean, you can so on and so forth, but it's exciting to be in the state of Arkansas right now, and we've got a lot of things going for us. JR, thanks for coming by. Dave, thank Always you. Always a pleasure. We'll get back together next thir- next Thursday. I won't have anybody on Friday. I can't talk into coming back to the Capitol, can you? No. All right. All right. I had enough. I'll be back. I'll be back, but I've had too much right now. Take a break. Come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Catching up on my reading there. Uh, Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Hope you're having a good time. We're back in the studio. It's always good to be in the studio to have control of your environment. That's really important on a radio show just because, as you found out yesterday and several other times during the time that we were broadcasting from the state capitol, things could get rather loud in there. And being made of marble, it echoes incredibly loud and it can make it very difficult to hear us and the guests. So we move right up on the microphones, and the microphones are very directional. And we turn them up so that we can try for you to be able to hear us. Yesterday, people, we had a couple of complaints. People were saying it's hard to hear what you're saying. Well, you know, I can't ask the people that are demonstrating down in the rotunda to shut up. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Oh, that whole freedom of speech uh, gets uh, gets under our skin sometimes when people are, they just, they're there to make noise and they don't disappoint. Let's just put it that way. Uh, as you know, the Travelers are starting their uh, season tonight uh, over at Dickie Stevens. And it sounds like out of the, the next four days, we've got three good days for baseball. One day Saturday looks like it's going to be just a good day for Ducks. Uh, with that in mind, though, I've got tickets to give away. If you want to go see the Travelers, I've got a family fun pack in my hand, and this is for four. This will get four people in uh, for you to go uh, check out. Uh, this is uh, good for, uh, you know, the uh, the Travelers, the ball game. It's a, a promotional general admission ticket. So if you would like four tickets to go see the Travs, uh, all you got to do is uh, call Zach, my producer. Uh, Russ is uh, taking care of some personal business today. So if you would, uh, give us a call, 823-0965. What do you want to do? Fourth caller? Fourth caller. Give you four tickets to go to see the Travs. And I think I'm going to give away four tickets every segment. All right, so I'll give away 16 tickets before the end of the hour for some people to go enjoy some baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan. I love watching baseball, even when they're playing it, and they should be throwing snowballs like they last night at uh, Wrigley Field. But the bottom line is is that uh, if you want to go to the game, I've got tickets. Four tickets to go see the Travs. Uh, this is good for any any game except for this is not open to Pyro in the park. So fourth caller, four tickets to the Travelers. 
That's courtesy of the Arkansas Travelers and the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Eight two three zero nine six five. All right. So uh, Assange, if you didn't hadn't seen it yet, has been drugged out of the embassy over there in the UK and arrested. Yes, Zach. Yes. Yeah, they'll have to pick up tickets here. You already give away the first four? Okay, it looks like he's giving away the first four. Okay, so we'll give away more. You just keep listening. You'll be able to call in to win all afternoon here uh, with traveler's tickets. Great place to go. Family fun, as far as I'm concerned. All right, so Asajj was, uh, you know, taken into, uh, let's see, the U.K. took him into, into, they arrested him. British police today hauled a bearded and shouting Julian Assange from the Ecuadorian embassy where he was holed up for nearly seven years. And the U.S. charged the WikiLeaks founder with conspiring with former Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning to get their hands on government secrets. Police arrested Assange after the South American nation revoked the political asylum that had protected him in the embassy, and he was brought before a British court for a step in an extraction battle that he has vowed to fight. Ecuador's president, Lenin Moreno, said he decided to evict the 47-year-old Assange from the embassy after repeated violations to international conventions and daily life protocols. And he later lashed out at him during a speech in Quito, calling the Australian native a spoiled brat who treated his hosts with disrespect. In Washington, the U.S. Justice Department accused Assange of conspiring with Manning to break into a classified government computer at the Pentagon, a Pentagon charge announced after Assange was taken into custody. Assange took refuge in the embassy in 2012, after he was released on bail in Britain while facing extradition to Sweden on sexual assault charges. And by the way, those have since been dropped. He refused, to, but they might want him to serve jail time because he jumped bail. Uh, he refused to leave the embassy, fearing arrest and extradition to the U.S. for publishing classified military and diplomatic cables through WikiLeaks. Manning, who served several years in prison for leaking troves of classified documents before their sentence was commuted, I refuse to call him her, uh, is again in custody in Alexandria, Virginia, for refusing to testify before a grand jury investigating WikiLeaks. Manning's legal team said the indictment against Assange showed prosecutors didn't need her testimony or his testimony or whatever and called for them to be released, saying uh, the continued detention would be purely punitive, or punitive, pardon me. Over the years, Assange used Ecuador's embassy as a platform to keep his name before the public, frequently making appearances on its tiny balcony, posing for pictures and reading statements, and even his cat became famous. So uh, he has now been arrested. And uh, the problem that uh, the United States might face in trying to extradite him is that we still have the death penalty here in uh, the United States, and Britain won't extradite a a, a known criminal 
to go and and face up uh, with uh, a country has the death penalty, although I don't think that's that would be what he would get. And so the media, uh, another story that's big out uh, out there right now, the media uh, has been vilifying border agents and romanticizing uh, the whole thing about uh, illegal immigrants uh, has, has caused a, a real problem here uh, in uh, America. They have been feeding you a big line of BS. And I do mean a big line of BS. Border Patrol officials, they're now saying they are fed up with that. And um, and said a caravan-sized influx of migrants arriving every week in the Rio Grande value is making it very, very tough on them. Really tough on them. Months after saying this and dismissing and mocking President Trump's claim of a national emergency at the southern U.S. border, now the mainstream media is grappling with reality with no less than the New York Times declaring the border crisis at, quote, a breaking point. You know, it's amazing. They, they helped. They helped make this happen. Helped. They backed the Democrats every hook, line, and sinker line that came out from those idiots. That because the president brought forth some plans and followed plans of his predecessor, President Obama. The whole thing about detaining children at the border was brought on by the Obama administration. They won't even admit that. And called this president unfeeling and, and all kinds of other things, Hitler, Nazi, whatever, racist, xenophobe, you know, what, what, whatever words they can come up with. And making the, 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 pro, the problem worse and worse and worse and not work, working towards any solution at all, leaving it to do what it's doing on the border where, the, you know, you don't have places to put people. So if a family walks up to a border patrol agent and turns himself in, all he can do is let them go. As recently as February, a New York Times fact checker of Trump's State of the Union speech tweeted, quote, President Trump described illegal border crossings as a urgent national crisis. This is false. The Washington Post editorial board said, There is no crisis at the border, called Trump's national emergency declaration untethered from truth and reality and a make-believe emergency. Quote, Mr. Trump's technique is to spin fiction as facts secure in the knowledge that minds will reel as fact-checkers labor to deconstruct his uh, many falsehoods. So let's stick to one big basic truth. Here's the big statement from the Washington Post. 
There is no crisis at the southern border. They knew they were lying then. Now they come out and said, well, yeah, we got a problem down there. They've been lying all along. The Democrats lie. They lie worse than a rug does. Why you people support them, Call your, even call yourself a Democrat, I don't know. The party that loves to kill babies. That's the truth. That's not hyperbole. Just listen to what they say and what they do and what they're trying to pass. CNN's Anderson Cooper, meanwhile, echoed many other left-wing voices on social media, implied that the fact the president went to spend his weekend away from the White House after declaring the emergency was evidence that there was no urgent problem at the border. So whenever there's a crisis in the, in the country, the president has to go there for it to be a crisis. Anderson Cooper, you don't have a brain to sit, go back and live off of your, your mother's uh, vo- uh, Vanderbilt blue jeans, all right? Gloria Vanderbilt blue jeans. Fast forward, the same media outlets are now scrambling to accurately portray the border crisis no longer fearing to quote top officials and their data and declare that the southern border is at a breaking point amid a surge in the number of illegal immigrant crossings. And here's the problem of what happens when you lie. Just like the boy who cries wolf. New York Times says there is no border crisis. Same thing with the Post, Washington Post. Same thing with ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNBC, all the rest of them. There is no crisis. Then three months later, they turn around and go, oh, my God, have you seen what's going on on the border? Can you believe how bad the border is? We got a crisis down there. Okay, so who do we who do you believe? Do you believe the media before or do you believe the the media after? Do you believe the media when they were lying again like a rug? Or do you believe the ones that are now trickling out the truth? Biggest bunch of hypocrites around. They've been trying to destroy this president forever. And I'll tell you, the only reason reason this is starting to turn around is because the American public sees that there's a crisis. And we have another election coming up soon. And... uh, They don't want to get tied too closely to all these leftists that are running for the Democratic nod. Well, it'd be bad if they do that. I'm just telling you. People aren't paying much attention to them at all anyway. The U.S. immigration system may have reached a breaking point, said the New York Times yesterday. Quote, it was never like this before, the article states. I wish I was on satellite radio right now. I tell you, I am so mad at this stuff, I can spit nails. It's never been, what are you talking about? Of course it has. It was was like this at times under Obama. And we, we don't do anything about it. The migrants come now in the middle of the night or in the bright light of day. 
Men and women arrived by the hundreds, caked with dirt, with teens and toddlers in tow. The story claims that a, quote, breaking point has been reached in America's immigration system, which is no longer able to cope with the unseen levels of illegal immigration. Listen closely to this. I wish that you could feel in my heart the irritation and anger I have about this. The country is now unable to provide either the necessary humanitarian relief for desperate migrants or even basic controls on the number and nature of who is entering the United States. And whose fault is that? Why don't you all go look in the mirror? Take a break. Got more coming. I need another high blood pressure pill. It's a Dave Ellswick show. (laughs) I want a bacon pizza. After that, I've got to have one. I'm just saying, I got to have one of those pizzas. All right. Uh, Let me go back. I got a little bit more here I want to talk to you about about the media, Uh, hypocritical media. Kind of love it. Um, the rest of the story, I'm going to pick up some stuff here from uh, Fox News. This was a follow-up uh, to another story in the Times from last month titled Border at Breaking Point. as more than 76,000. I want you to think about that a moment. Right here in our listening area, we've got about 150,000 people. So half the size of our listening uh, audience. Uh, crossed in the month. That's data that over 76,000 migrants, illegals, all right, crossed the border without authorization in February, the 11-year high that put a strain on the Border Patrol resources. Yet the report still accused, this is from the report from the New York Times, not the governmental agencies. This is from the New York Times. They accused Trump of just using the data to justify the implementation of strict immigration controls. Well, what was he supposed to do? You can't get any more liberal than the way that the judges have made this become and the Democrats have been, you know, stopping everything from happening. What else is he supposed to? Of course he's asking for stricter controls. You want to continue having 76,000 illegal people coming into our country every month? And oh, also they said it was he was trying to get the border wall. Sounds like we need a border wall. You got seventy six thousand people coming into the country illegally. Post caught up with the Times, uh, first report admitting the crisis at the border only about three weeks later, printing an article titled "U.S. Has Hit Breaking Point at Border Amid Immigration Surge." Unbelievable. All right, I got four more tickets to go see the Travelers. If you want them, 8230965. First caller, you get nibs to see the Travelers at your convenience. We'll be back after the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get back to it. I got some more tickets to give away in a moment. They've been a hot commodity. People want them. Want to go see the Travelers? I'm going to give you more chances of doing it. Let me tell you, 
Democrats just amaze me for their stupidity. They, they, they really do. Kamala Harris. You know who she, uh, what she's blaming the NRA for now? Endangering school children. Well, I'm sure the, the women in red who show up at state capitol, you know, women for common sense gun control. Uh, today, since she's being left behind in the race, so she's uh, eager to uh, polish up her leftist credentials, she blamed the NRA for endangering school children, tweeting, quote, Our children shouldn't go to school worried they will have to run for their lives from an active shooter. We need leaders who will stand up to the NRA and fight to keep our kids safe from gun violence. Dana Loesch, who is the NRA spokeswoman, I guess I got to get Dana on again, uh, blasted Harris for that tweet, writing, This is abhorrent. Millions of NRA members are also parents, myself included. You know what keeps kids safe? Prosecuting repeat offenders who have felony gun charges and drive crime. Yet while AG, your state, was at the bottom of that list, because Kamala Harris was AG in California, you have zero consistency on safety. Last November, Harris had tweeted, quote, no matter what community you live in, from Parkland to Chicago to South Los Angeles, no one is immune from gun violence. There have been too many tragedies. We need Congress to act. Harris ignored the fact that the massacre in Parkland, Florida, at uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School occurred in a gun-free Zone. After that February uh, attack and massacre, Harris attacked the NRA, tweeting, quote, I am not going to be silenced by attacks from the NRA or anyone else, and neither will my Senate colleagues or the students from Stoneman Douglas. It's time to stand up to the gun lobby and keep our community safe. Hashtag never again. You understand? Hashtags makes everything that you say even more important. In December 2012, the NRA introduced its School Shield Task Force after the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut. As Independent Journal Review reported in 2018, in April 2013, the NRA published a report with the findings of the task force initial investigation along with eight recommendations on best practices for school security. Those recommendations included, one, implementing a model training program that would teach school resource officers how to respond in a crisis situation. Two, a proposal to change state laws where necessary so that a selected school staff member would be allowed to carry a firearm in school. Three, the creation of a pilot program on threat assessment and mental health, and four, tougher requirements for schools on safety measures, among others. Speaking at a Des Moines, Iowa town hall in January of this year, Harris panificated about guns and, of course, found a way to attack the NRA, calling the organization a paper tiger. Now, if it's a paper tiger, why are you so worried about them? That means they... They have 
or should be pulled down, it can be pulled down without any problem. Except they're not a paper tiger. They are a real tiger with hundreds of thousands of members. You know, here's the thing, she said. We've got to have smart gun safety laws in this country. And we've got to stop buying this false choice. That's the first thing that she said. That's saying nothing. You understand, Zach, do you understand that woman just said nothing here? Let me let me mention let me quote this again. You know, here's the thing. We have got to have smart gun safety laws in this country. Does she say what we should have? No. No, she doesn't she doesn't offer anything. She says, and we've got to stop buying this false choice. Look, you can be in favor of the Second Amendment and also understand that there is no reason in a civil society that we have assault weapons around. See, it's just BS. It makes no sense because an AR-15 is not an assault weapon. It's a semi-automatic rifle. In fact, it's a semi-automatic rifle that is less powerful than other semi-automatic rifles that are out there. But it looks like it's a military uh, rifle, so that scares the people on the left. Ask Feinstein and Boxer about that. When they got the assault ban back in the Clinton era, how did they decide which rifles they should ban? They looked in a gun catalog, and the ones that looked most military were the ones that scared them the most, and they were the ones that they wanted to make illegal. Unbelievable. Uh, You might want to know before they can buy a gun if a court has found them to be a danger to themselves or others. You just might want to know that's reasonable. But here's the thing, and I'm uh, going to be very, very blunt about this. You know, for years I've asked folks in D.C., you know, is the NRA real or is it a paper tiger? Like, what's the deal there? Just saying. Just saying. Unbelievable. Really is unbelievable. No answers at all. No answers at all. All right. I read an article today that I thought was kind of funny. It was written, I think, by Matt Walsh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I know Matt more from Reason Magazine than from uh, the Daily Wire which is Ben Shapiro's site, but uh, as he he says in his article that came out yesterday, as the Daily Wire reported, every single Democrat in the House save one has voted for a bill that would force schools to allow, allow biological males to intrude into female sports. How stupid is that? I mean, here we have Democrats telling us we need common sense uh, gun laws. You know what? For the Democrats, they just need common sense. The bill would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And by the way, just as an aside, I've been re- watching that new show, Sabrina, on uh, Netflix. I'm about ready to cash out of it because they took Susie, who wanted to play now for the boys' basketball team, and she calls herself Theo. And in an episode I watched last night, this, quote, Theo goes into the boys' locker room to change, and all the guys stop 
changing themselves and stand and, and, and just stare at her. And she says, what's this all about? And the boys go, we're waiting for you to change. And she gets all upset and storms out. Because as she tells Sabrina, they were waiting for me to take my shirt off and be able to see my breasts. And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah. You know, it's kind of what high school boys would be kind of excited about that. And they, they make it sound like the boys are being ridiculous, that they they would notice that she's got a couple of breasts and she don't have a, a branch hanging down. All right? I mean, come on. The measure has no hope of becoming law right now, but it does make it into the books. It would spell the end of women's sports as we know it. And guess what? When you look back on, um, you know, nine, Title Nine, why was it? Why did they pass it, to Zach? Do you remember? Do you remember why Title Title Nine was passed initially? To make women's sports get the same amounts of money as men's sports, so the so the women's sports would have the ability uh, for girls to play sports like the guys did. And uh, men's football, college football, in fact, was, you know, basically paying for women's sports for years, probably still does in many places. And now they're going to pass this thing where you got men coming over to play in women's. Why'd you do, why'd you do uh, Title IX then? That's what Title IX, Title IX had nothing to do with that about men playing women, you know, women's sports. It's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard of. The measure has no hope of becoming law, it said. And they're right. This is all bad news for women, though, and bad news for society on a number of levels. But politically speaking, it's going to be great news for Republicans. The Democrats are rallying around a position that no sane person in the country finds reasonable. Even these Democrats themselves don't find it reasonable, which is why none of them were talking about this 10 years ago. But the political winds have blown them all the way out to this fringe, idol, uh, you know, ideological uh, backwater where now to appease the most radical elements of their base, they feel they must deny the basic biological differences between men and women. Let's just quote some of this stuff. Opponents of equality in athletics for transgender athletes have argued that girls who are transgender have unfair physiological advantages over cisgender. And that means straight girls, cisgender. I mean, that means that means these are girls that understand that they're girls. Okay. They understand their own biology. They're girls. And then the transgender boys who think that they're girls They've got a mental problem, but nobody wants to say it. Nobody uh, on in in normal America, we understand that there's a mental problem here. If I'm supposed to say to a person, tell me what you are, and I'll say good for you, then if my best friend tells me, well, I feel like a gorilla, I'm supposed to say, well, good for you. You're as sane as I am. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to look at him and say, are you nuts? Anyway, as a result, 
These guys are going to dominate women's competitive sports. And they added that it is not rooted in fact. How many stories have I talked about, Zach, on my show of guys that are running track against girls and just blowing them away and setting up all kinds of new state records because they're men, they're not women. They're bigger, they're stronger, and they're faster. Unbelievable. Uh, They said that they dominate women's sports. They wrote, adding that it is not rooted in fact that men are stronger and faster than women, according to a lot of different uh, stories. Not rooted in fact. It is absolutely a fact that men have more muscle mass, larger fast twitch muscle fibers, larger lungs, larger hearts, longer legs, much more testosterone, and much less estrogen, and a larger capacity to produce oxygen when they exert themselves among literally dozens of other uh, biological advantages. This is as much a fact as gravity. And all but the most fringe and bizarre members and nut jobs. I love to put in nut jobs because you're crazy. They're crazy. Of the far left, no one acknowledged that reality. Democrats may be allowing themselves to be led astray by polling data showing that Americans are allegedly evenly split on the question of allowing transgender girls into women's sports. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm absolutely certain about this. Using 66 years of experience walking on God's green earth, that most people are confused by references to transgender girls. Pull 100 random people into a room and ask them point blank whether biological males should be allowed to compete against girls in women's sports, and I will guarantee you that the, the largest majority of those people will say no. Now, if you go out and you ask them, should transgender girls be able to compete against girls, they'll say, sure, because they don't even have a clue about what the heck you're talking about. I wonder how many Americans really know what you're saying when you're saying transgender. Well, here, let me me just tell you what it is. Then I got to get a break in and I got to give away some more tickets. Here's what it is. It's a boy. Okay, it's a transgender girls is a boy. I don't care if they put on lipstick and eye shade. All right. It's still a boy. We knew that when back in the day when we saw Milton Burrow. We knew that when we went and saw Mrs. Doubtfire. Just because Robin Williams dressed up like a woman, it didn't make him a girl. Just because you stand in your garage all day, you're not a car. I bet you, if, I guess I'm going to have to get a hold of the folks from the Athletic Commission here in, in Arkansas. I want to know how they're handling this. I want to know what the law says here in Arkansas. Can, uh, can a boy go to the coach of the girls' team and say, Hey, coach, you know what? I feel like a girl. I like to be on the team. 
Or he might walk up and say, hey, coach, I feel like a girl. I want to be on the girls' track team. And he can just say, well, his voice changed. No big deal. Sure, I want you to. We'll win state every year until some other school puts a guy on the girls' track team. Crazy. Yeah, this is nuts. This is a society that is out of their mind. And if you're a part of, uh, of any kind of uh, governmental group that gets behind this, you should be run out of office and tarred and feathered as far as I'm concerned. Surely you're not that Oh, he's gonna, I'm going to use the big word, stupid. The Dave Ellswick Show, you want a pair of tickets? You want four tickets to go see the Travelers? I got four tickets right now. First caller, 823-0965, 823-0965. Hey, look, I'm, I'm tired of being nice about this. Being nice is not, is not dealing with the truth of this matter here. Being nice is allowing the people who are perpetuating the lie to get what they want in this, in this argument. Excuse me. Holland's getting to me. Great uh, cartoon yesterday. I saw a little boy look, has been looking out the window, and he's looking back at his um, mother, and he looks like Christmas morning. And he's like jumping up and down and going crazy, just all exciting. And he says, Mom, Mom, it pollinated last night. And there's like, Two foot of pollen on the ground and on the hood of the car and stuff. That's Little Rock right now. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it really is. Did you, when you were driving in yesterday, did you not notice it looked like it looked like a light fog was all around the city? That was not fog. That was pollen. The the oak trees and the other trees are dropping all their pollen. Well, if you hadn't noticed. Uh, that your car is like a yellow green uh, on it, you know. Open your eyes. So I can say, open your eyes. There's just a lot of pollen out right now. I was talking to a guy today. Said that uh, his job, one of his jobs, is to sweep the floors of this the building that they work in. And he said, I'd sweep the pollen up, throw it away and would walk back to the start of the, of the building and had to start all over again because the pollen had covered the floor already. I mean, I understand you can't have three foot of pollen <laughs> on the floor and do the job, so you got to keep on sweeping it up just the way it is. All right, we're almost out of time for uh, the third Thursday edition. My thanks to J.R. Davis for coming in today. Thank you for joining me here on the show. Uh, coming up in the next hour, we'll replay our J.R. Davis interview. A lot of interesting things uh, talked about in that interview. You'll want to hear it. It's coming up next. Tomorrow, starting at 2 o'clock and going till 3.30, Matt Smith will be here. We'll talk movies. I'll give you my, my feelings about Hellboy. I'm going to go see it tonight. I'll have my review for you. 3.30, the Libertarians are invading my studio, and we'll talk with them. At 4 o'clock, Dwayne Smith, uh, he's an insurance agent, is going to be in here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
talk about how you can avoid Mr. Mayhem. And in the last hour, Carrie from Flag and Banner will drop by here on the Dave Ellswick Show as well. Until then, you have a good evening. I'm going over to eat some popcorn, drink some soda, and watch a movie at, uh, you know, the Cabot uh, Silver Screen VIP Super Duper Cinema. If you're there, I'll say hi to you. You just come up, talk to me. We'll sit and talk a little bit. But I'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.